Arms Out Like Wings Miss Marsh Our dance teachers were like gods to us. We hung on their every word. The school was predominantly a ballet school at the time I was there, but in years to come it became more commercial, with musical theatre and acting becoming more or at least as important as ballet. If the teachers were gods, Miss Marsh was the universe itself. We were in awe and terrified of her. We never saw her with her hair down, metaphorically or physically. She wore it in an immaculate French pleat, sometimes with a silk scarf or turban over it. Her face was a mask of makeup. I guess it was stage makeup, really. Applied, but not rubbed in. Thin red lips with long red fingernails to match. These fingernails would be sunk into an offending limb on a regular basis during classes. She was so important, so hypnotic. We hung on her every word. I don't think that it ever occurred to us that she may actually have feelings or emotions of her own within that terrifying exterior. I only say this because she was so revered that we couldn't possibly imagine her having a private life even though she lived in a purpose-built bungalow right next door to Junior Dawn. This bungalow matched her own immaculate style. It was white with Spanish-style arches and tiled floors throughout. A huge parrot called Squawk lived in his equally palatial cage, which was placed in the massive floor-to-ceiling window at the front of their home. He was rarely inside his cage, as he liked to sit on top of it, squawking away. Not a whiff of comfort or cosiness in this palatial showpiece. Every day, apart from Sundays, Miss Marsh would exit her house as if it were her dressing room and enter her Studio One as if she was making an entrance onto the stage. Writing about her now, I somehow feel a little sad for her. Why? I don't know. She seemed to have a wonderful life. A lovely husband, George Alexander. A son, Rick Jim. We all thought his name was really Rich Jim. A daughter who was about the prettiest doll-like adult I had ever seen and a granddaughter called Tammy who was the same age as me and at the school. Tammy was very naughty and immaculate like her grandmother and mother. Whenever we passed Miss Marsh we would have to curtsy, just a little bob and this was often done on the move. Nobody ever questioned this, in fact I think we all actually liked it, even the naughtiest girls. It was a sign of respect that we all performed willingly. Miss Marsh had a rose garden at the back of her house, all perfect pom-pom-like rose trees, like in Alice in Wonderland. On summer's evenings, she would go out there after her evening classes and prune her beloved roses. We could see her through her goldfish bowl of a house, and I think that was the happiest we ever saw her. While she was teaching, she sat on a high stool, Hers was a teaching method that required little actual contact. Her classes were the pinnacle of our timetables, and if you were one of the chosen few who would have classes with her every day, we called her classes SIL. This was short for syllabus, 
as she taught only the exam classes, which were strict syllabus laid down by the Royal Academy of Dancing, of which she was the head at that time. Sometimes, if she couldn't get her message across, she would rise slowly from her high stool and totter over to her victim, who would be literally quaking. Her red and white nose, red from drinking maybe and white from makeup applied often, her twinkly scary eyes would be so close, but this wasn't the worst of it. Whilst your eyes would be locked with hers, you knew that her long pointy talons were about to sink into you. Weirdly, I also remember a kind of fear on her behalf that maybe she might fall over. Was she a little tipsy? On another high stool next to her was always a glass of water, or was it gin? Now I look back, it all makes sense. The red-veined nose, the tottering, the smell. Perfume, and yes, juniper. Whatever the case, she was the goddess, and she could do no wrong. Her classes were brilliant. I loved them. I would, on occasion, do three of Miss Marsh's classes back to back. Oh, the stamina of it. I would be placed at the front of the bar to her right, prime position, and then centre of the front row. If the class was crowded, I would do my bar work in the centre. This would represent both the fact that I was favourite and capable of doing bar work unassisted. This all sounds like I was a big show-off, but really that was not the case. Humility was a big part of our training, and you had to really earn Miss Marsh's praise. Oh, the bliss of feeling so in charge of your body. Hot and supple, strong and able to take risks. A perfect union of mind and body. This is what makes dancers put themselves through sweat and pain. The pure joy of freedom and motion. Annabelle was also one of Miss Marsh's favourites. She was a beautiful dancer and being tiny, she was bouncy and fast. This made her brilliant at Allegro, whilst my longer limbs made me excel in adagio work. For this reason, Miss Marsh would often select the two of us to take to demonstrate any new syllabuses at the Royal Academy of Dancing in London. For these demonstrations, we would actually accompany Miss Marsh and Mr Alexander in their silver Rolls Royce, and as a reward, we would be taken to tea afterwards. We were very young probably about 11 or 12, when we first danced for these demonstrations, and these high accolade excursions were full of new social experiences, especially for me, as Annabelle was more accustomed to being close up and social with people like Miss Marsh and Mr Alexander. Mm -hmm.